The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. Blah, 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 blah. You Monday morning, blah, blah, blah. You got the Monday morning, blah, blah, blah. Damn good coffee and hot. Oh, I hate Mondays. I really hate Mondays. But it is damn good coffee and hot. Good morning, folks. Monday, February 27th. 2023, the month of February is just about over. Kind of a tease, February, isn't it? Makes you think, wow, that month went fast. And then March hits and winter lingers on. And it's a long month, just three days longer. But that's a lot. Two days long, right? No, three days longer. I'm sorry. I'm confused. I'm always confused. John Pavaramo is scheduled to be here, which is really, really early for him. Asking him to get up to do this show is like asking a normal person, not not a normal person, but a normal person, to get up at 4 a.m. to do a dopey little podcast, radio, wannabe show. So if he shows, I'll be grateful. The reason he might show, I asked him to come on, because he's got this thing going on this week, a 24-hour marathon live stream featuring some pretty cool people. Uh, for MS is the cause, multiple sclerosis, ending MS. Good cause uh, will be Wednesday night, 9 a.m., 9 p.m. to Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, with a lot of cool people on it. Some of the people have been on my program some people have shunned my program. Yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, Scott Adams is on my mind. Man, this guy. This is not my kind of guy. If you're not familiar with Scott, Allen, Scott Adams, he's the author, the creator, the cartoonist behind Dilbert. And to me... Like, this job of just creating badly drawn cartoons for newspapers, it's still a thing, a vocation in 2023. That's mind-blowing. People are making money just by doodling stupid little things to put in products that nobody buys. You get a newspaper? I know there are some some people out there, some people in my world, who still get newspapers. I don't think I have. Literally, for 25 years or more, had a a newspaper subscription. Now, not to say I haven't had a single newspaper in 25 years. Not something I do on a regular basis. I can't remember the last time I bought one. And I could, certainly can't remember the last time 
I had a subscription to any. So here you have this cartoon guy who has a certain level of fame that I can't figure out why. And he has a morning show called Coffee with Scott, which really pisses me off at 10 a.m. Eastern every day. And last week on uh, his live stream, he came out and said some really <clears throat> racist things. And he doesn't seem to have a clue about what he said that was actually racist. And he's asking people to look at the context of what he said. I looked at all the context and listened to all the context of what he said. And none of it negates the racist stuff that he said. Then he went on an interview with Hotep Jesus, a black man who agrees with him on some of his points, and he feels that vindicates him that he's not a racist. Now, he comes out and he wants you to know that his whole life he's considered himself a leftist, and he considers himself left of Bernie Sanders, which is a cop-out. To say that people on the left can't be racist, look, you know, Robert Byrd, do I need a better example of somebody on the left who was an out-and-out racist? There are plenty of, of people on the left who are actually racist. But that's his claim and that's his out. Oh, well, he's a leftist. He can't be racist. Come on, man. What he said what makes me absolutely sure that he has racial hatred in his heart and fear-based racial hatred is that because black people are beating up white people at record rates, we can't fix racism. White people, you just have to escape the black people. Get away from them. That's, that's my advice to you. That's what he said. So no matter how he tries to rationalize that in, oh, I would I would say that to, to black people to get away from white people too. He's, you know, he wants to make this. And the, the conversation with Hotep Jesus was all about teachers unions being the problem. The all powerful teachers unions that have teachers making what people who flip burgers make. The all powerful teachers union keeping us down, perpetuating ra racism to make white people feel bad. His, his premise was, it's okay to be white. Here's the thing. He's, he's blaming the media for, for putting out this idea that it's not okay to be white. Media has never, ever, I've never heard that message come out once, that it's not okay to be white. Nobody is saying that. If you're hearing that message, that's your own paranoia. There is no denying that black people in America have had a unique struggle. And some white people had a lot to do with that. If you hear that as white people are bad, that's on you. That's your own paranoia. Anyway, I'm going to let John in, in the room right now so he can uh, pull me back off the ledge with this stuff because um, we hear this stuff all the time. And now this guy is trying to play 
play the victim of cancel culture here at the same time he's saying, I knew this would be the result. Well, if you knew that would be the result, then shut up and accept the consequences. Not cancel culture, it's consequence culture. The consequence, you have the right to free speech to say what you want, and then you have to face the consequences for saying the things you wanted to say. Anyway, Wednesday night to Thursday night, 24 hours straight of some cool people raising money for a very good cause and a guy who got up early to help me let you know about it way earlier than he would is here now. The fabulous turkey, turkey baking, eating John. (laughs) What's going on, man? It's been a long time. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I have to ask, do you uh, sleep with a different woman every, every single night? Um, yes. Yes, I do. Okay. Well, I'm happy that you do because I would if I were you. I'm looking at you. I'm like, no, the time of his life, his hair's not turning gray. So he's got all his hair. He's a he's big shot comedy, funny guy. He's, he's living the life, living the dream. Why would not you you be just like fornicating like a bastard, knowing that the world's coming to an end anyway? I, uh, dude, um, you're you're right in my wheelhouse. I'm trying. I'm trying to do that kind of shit. I'm actually just. I've been very very fucking busy lately. I was just talking to a friend about this, about just dating and stuff like that, because I'm obviously single. But like I, you know, uh, it it's just when you're when you're in your fucking thirties and you're and you are busy and you are doing shit. Like I don't know how people meet anybody anymore, other than like randomly. You know what I mean? If you're on, if I'm on the road or stuff like that, or like if I'm out with friends, maybe. But like I don't know, it's not the same. Not they don't the same just come anymore. up to you. They don't just throw themselves at you. I just I imagine the life of a young man. Yeah. Who- <laughs> it's a good imagine. It's a good. It's a good imagination. But I'm also a young. Com- I'm, a, I'm a comedian. Comedians don't get anything. Like the worst. Like the worst bassist in the world gets more pussy than a comic. You know. Like, it, I, like I'm under like the impression that the, a sense of humor is the greatest aphrodisiac. I've been told that my whole life. It totally is. But look at look at like it's not like women were throwing themselves at Don Rickles. You know what I mean? He's fucking hilarious. <laughs> You know, but I mean, it, it, they they say that. But have you ever noticed though? <laughs> have you ever noticed that women always do that about like really, really good looking, like like we, we've met them, really good looking dudes, and they're like, "Oh my god, he's so funny." And then like you worth them for an hour, and you're like, "This motherfucker has not said one funny thing, right? Never this whole time." Yeah. So like you know, I feel like for the most part, women kind of imagine who they think. I mean, like obviously, it doesn't hurt me at all to be funny, but. You know, I've uh, it's just I'm I'm just I'm just busy, man. I can't uh, I don't have time sometimes, you know, yeah. I'm also t- like I'm I'm 38. I'm tired. And I and I find that my friends and I literally just went away on um, uh, we went we usually go to the to like the Poconos and shit like that for um, like summer. We started doing it when one of my friends got married for like a bachelor thing. And then we were like, this is fucking great. Why don't we just have a dude's weekend away from girlfriends and wives? um once a year just to just to have a good time and then this year we were like let's fucking do it early because we're all sad and we're all busy (laughs) and then um and and we did it but we were talking about just like in general like why are we so fucking tired and i don't know i mean i don't know if it's just i think it's something to do with burnout uh uh crashing from three years uh, or more of um like the worst um, badly written script of a planet 
<laughs> the, totally. Because I've been talking to comedians all the time, and offline they tell me, "Man, I've been dealing with like a bone crushing depression." And I'm yes. like, well, "From outside, your life looks pretty good." I, you know, oh, dude, always, always from the outside, everybody's life looks good though. Like, and, and like if you're scrolling through Instagram, people are having a fucking blast. But yeah, yeah. you know, you meet them, and you're like, "Are you all right?" And they're like, "No, yeah, <laughs> not even it's- close." It's really strange, but yeah. you know, I do think it has a lot to do with with the trauma, collective worldwide trauma that we are we never really processed. You know, no. we processed in a very bad, negative way, arguing about it the whole time. Oh God, yeah, and the and the process process part is absolutely true, man. Like I I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was like, I still get you know ridiculously angry over like if I think of growing up. And listening, I always, you know, it was crazy. And I don't know when this goes away. I still say when I refer to people older than me as adults, and I know I'm an adult, I don't look like it. I don't dress like it. I don't act like it. But I know I'm technically aging out of like the cool realm of whatever. So, like, but I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, just listening to adults all my life and having them tell me, you know, uh the way we do things in the world you know and if you don't like it it's tough shit it's just part of being an adult it's part of being a man you know you got to make sacrifices patriotism rah 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 and then the pandemic hit and like the simple rule of like hey wear masks and get a vaccine and they lost their i was like this is your chance to be exactly you sacrifice for your country this is it this is your time step up like this is all the shit i've heard about all the stuff we didn't want to do work nine to five Fucking school, pay taxes, get up early. Uh, all, all this shit that you said was part of being an adult. And this is the most adult you can be. Millions of people are dying. And they right. broke down gym doors and, and you know, yelled about being with their families and not at an Applebee's at, at fucking midnight. You know, like, so, like, wow, <laughs> everybody saw like this is it was. You you gave me an ulcer for nothing at twenty. This sucks. Right, right. Now you say thirty eight. I thought you were thirty five, thirty six ish. That was I wasn't too far off. But yeah. thirty eight is uh, like cuspy between with this old generational thing. Gen X and millennial. Where, where where are you? You're like on the cusp of millennial Gen X, or I'm an I'm I'm technically here's the thing. I'm technically an elder uh, millennial. And That's a good thing. Yeah, but I it is a good thing and I love it. I, I feel I think I feel and I think my friends feel this too. We feel closer to Gen X. Um, but I think we're we're definitely like whenever I look at the timelines that people kind of draw out, I'm an elder millennial. We didn't grow up with cell phones and social media, uh, but we did grow into it. So like we were the advent of it. So we're not like, you know, uh completely addicted to it or used to it, or it's not how we you know, I can still I can still call somebody on the phone when I need something as opposed to like, oh, isn't there an app <laughs> yeah. to reach grandma now? Do I have to you know, why do I have to do that? I'm glad you're not a uh, Gen Xer, though, because I have um, lately I'm, I've got a, a bone to pick with Gen X and it's yeah. this and you're not this. It's it's these guys who think they are from the greatest generation and they want to talk down like they've been through wars they had it so tough when they were a kid uh you, you know and i'm i'm seeing these like phony tough guys phony old men who don't yet have any wrinkles but they have some gray in their beard or whatever talking like you know in my day we walked the hill <laughs> and like wait a minute you're the mtv generation you're not 
you, you're not the World War II. You didn't save the planet from... It's like, and right. It's, they're all over the place. They're all... I'm like a... I'm a boomer. I'm supposed to be, like, trying to be a Greatest Generation guy, but I don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine people 20 years younger than me yeah. acting like they were the Greatest Generation. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> you're an Iggy is- Pop guy. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's all, all everybody's all mixed up, man. It is kind of really weird. Like I, you do find some Gen Xers who are like that. Some I know have completely faded into the background, which I kind of find interesting. Like I have some um, friends of mine who are definitely Gen X and uh, you could tell that they are kind of like k- kicking back and watching everything from a distance, <laughs> from a distance where they're like, we told you, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, like it yeah. wasn't going to be pretty. I'm looking forward to, the like TikTok, like the Gen Zers having, um, you know, kids, because I know that they love blaming everyone else, including millennials for like, like hardcore blaming for like the state of the world. But I can't wait till their kids are like, uh, so there was a train accident in Ohio with the worst uh, environmental disaster. You know what I mean? And you guys fucking danced on TikTok about it. You pieces <laughs> of shit. Like. I can't wait until that's that's like the, the you know the fuck you you didn't do anything you know yeah it's um, it's, it's so it's like a rite of passage to say that you know, these kids don't know they don't know good music they don't they don't they take everything for granted they're all spoiled it's a rite of passage but at some point you got to reflect on on your own life and say how bad did I actually have it well, yeah uh, and none of us are doing anything I mean like a couple people are like you know who are super wealthy or who are like lifting people up or whatever and like we try to I mean you know everybody tries to do a little bit here and there but we're we're essentially all you know that that da- that one dad in a, in a minivan uh you know in 2012 who drove his family off a cliff because he thought it really was the end of the like that <laughs> Like, like maybe not like, you know, as it, but like, but we are like headed all, you know, that scene in Independence Day where they're all, all those uh, um, caravans are heading toward Area 51. <laughs> That's what I, I imagine everybody on earth and, and it's, it's all everything. Every, every, every mini, every caravan is named like climate change and fucking, you know, yeah. <laughs> the economy and, and inflation. And it's just all of us are driving towards the edge so you know we'll wow. see what happens so um, um now how many causes do you uh get involved in because ms is what the cause is for uh wednesday night program uh, wednesday 9 p.m to thursday 9 p.m eastern but i could have sworn you've done one for different uh causes in the last yeah. year or so. yeah we did we did um originally when the, and this is um, the pandemic started, I've I've always done charity work like through stand up. You know, when we were doing live before the pandemic, we're doing live stuff. So I've done you know cancer benefits. Um, I've done uh, you know different types of benefits for different types of causes and stuff. And I love it's one of the greatest things I think about having a talent or a skill is that people can find places for you to use it for good which is very very nice you know what i mean like anytime you know i'm a benefit whore uh, to it to a certain extent if i feel like if there's some way i can help by being you know me or putting stuff together that's great because i don't have any other skills you know what i mean i don't have, i don't have, i don't have money so it's not like i can be like oh hey let me write you a million dollar check <laughs> you know to yeah. to fund your research but if if my um skills that i that i do have help in any way it's great so we did one during the pandemic um and it was broke a guinness world record for the longest streaming like comedy 
stream um, for a benefit show or whatever. And it was for the Children's Brain Tumor Foundation and for um, I think it's it's called. Oh, my God, I'm blanking on the fucking name. It's called um, Star Treatments. And it's where they take kids with cancer to and from their treatment centers like a rock star. So they, wow. they get a they fill a bus with like candy and and movies and and all that other stuff. And they and they put the little kids in the thing and they drive them to and from. And it's fucking awesome. So we did wow. that. Uh, we had over 300 comedians um, on for 93 hours. That was the first live stream thing. Um, and then last year we did an MS benefit in March. It was at the end of March. Um, and then this year we're doing the same thing. And I had a friend, you know, pass away with MS. You know, I, I didn't really realize this until a few years ago, but you don't actually pass away from it. A lot of people right. think, but I mean, it, it, when you have MS, you know how it is. It's an autoimmune disease. It, right. it, it, it makes it's kind of like Alzheimer's. You don't die from the disease. You die from what the disease does to the rest of your body. Absolutely. <laughs> which is, which is interesting, yeah, which is interesting because the, um, all the COVID stuff has actually helped like COVID research has actually helped move along the MS research because COVID is also attack is an auto is basically an autoimmune disease. So it's, it's kind of all the vaccine stuff has kind of helped um, move along the MS stuff. But um, so yeah. And Tom Bannis's wife who sometimes co-hosts dystopia um, is, uh, is dealing with MS right now. And wow. we've had, I know comedians who have MS and it's kind of one of those diseases that like, a lot you, you might have a friend who has it you have no fucking idea because people are either super private about it and the symptoms aren't always you know uh right on the surface it's one of those things that you can look you know completely and totally fine and have it but you you have a flare-up and you're fucking done for a week you know what i mean or, or however long it takes to to um you know subdue it so it's a super mystery because i have seen people in, in all uh aspects of the disease to, to where you, they look like they might not make it another week to people who are you know going out and playing pickleball yeah uh, you know uh 93 hours do you stay up for that whole time i did not stay up for the the 93 hour one the whole time but i did i mean i stayed up for a day and a half i think straight like i maybe got like an hour of sleep um I was sleeping intermittently and coming back on and we had a bunch of people host that for this one. We're doing 24 hours, same as we did last year. Um, and I do stay up for the whole thing. I, I do think I can make, uh, cause I've done 24 hours of live stream. Yeah. Uh, 40, uh, but, um, it takes a toll on uh, you. can't keep doing it, <laughs> but every time you do that, I think it, you lose a certain degree of, of your uh, cognitive ability. And so I realized I hadn't done it in many years. And then when I did it at 62, 63 years old, whatever. And uh, I was like, wow, I'm not a kid anymore. I can't afford to, to waste these brain cells. I need to hold on to the few I have. Yeah. So <clears throat> I would not say, suggest doing it deep into your 40s. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I you're absolutely right, and I feel like this is um, uh, a mistake. I I don't yeah. have um, I, last year I did it, and I was like, oh shit, I cannot hang. Like this has really hit me hard, and I stayed up, and it was fine. Like you know, whatever, I stayed up through the whole thing. But I didn't realize last year I did it. I had COVID, and I it was the first time I'd gotten it. So two years went by, didn't get COVID, and then um, I'd done a gig and. It, it got me and um, it was when we were like just going back out to do stuff and uh, <laughs> I didn't know that I had it though and I probably wouldn't have had symptoms or shown 
if I hadn't depleted like everything staying up. And by the way, you stay up for over 24 hours because I still have to function during the day. I, I like I didn't yeah. sleep until I had to get up and do the, the event. So I was up like 30 plus hours yeah. and and uh, and did the, the live event. And man, I was like, I was out of my mind fucking in pain. Like my face hurt. Like, you know, like yeah. but I but I to me, I didn't know I had COVID. So I just thought like, man, I am fucking old now and cannot say <laughs> <laughs> fingers fingers crossed man that it's not as bad as it is this year because i have no reason to have gotten uh you know um knock on wood i haven't had any any COVID issues or anything like that again since so we'll see what happens but um by the way you are more than welcome i will send you the schedule if you're available to hang out at any hour i'll uh, tell you what uh just saying hello to rob bartlett would be the highlight of my life let's have you and rob on man <laughs> rob is i'll tell you i'll tell you my rob is my anytime hero so rob um is one of my anytime heroes i have a couple anytime heroes for the show but uh rob i know is coming on definitely at 2 a.m um east coast That's... standard time because rob never rob i don't rob like will pop in and out he'll get some sleep he'll pop back in sometimes he'll show up shirtless I don't know. I don't know what Rob's going to do. Um, and you can't show nipples on, on Twitch. So I, he always, it's right. It's classy guys. Oh, um, but, uh, yeah, but Rob comes on at like random times. Uh, I'll let you, I'll make sure I know when Rob is popping in or whatever, but you'll have the link. So you'll be yeah. able to pop in whenever you want. Cool. Um, now, do you know Rob just from your time working in comedy or were you, cause it doesn't seem at 38, you could possibly know the the magnitude of Rob Bartlett's impact on the New York metro area or in radio mm. through the Imus show were you uh, aware of that that period of his life yeah so i was aware of i mean here here's the thing i'm like i'm a, such a comedy nerd that like i absorb all of it so i knew i knew of rob way before i met him um, and I knew he did the impressions and stuff like that on IMS. I wasn't an IMS like huge watcher, but I, I respected the guy. I mean, he's a broadcast, you know, one of like the broadcast legends. And he always had that feud with Stern and stuff. So like, it was, it was something that I knew about, but I knew Rob from, um, like comedy stuff, like anything with Eddie Murphy and, you know, all those guys, like he was, he was in an improv troupe with Eddie Murphy and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the fucking, um, Oh, he's gonna kill me. I love this dude. Anyway, I'll think about it in a second. It's it's blanking. It's too early for me, by the way. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 but, I already made that uh, apology for you. This is four a.m. for you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but uh, Rob and Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. So I knew him like legendarily from like comedy stuff, like his his work at the comedy scene and the circuits and stuff. And um, and then I met him actually for the first time during the the ninety three hour stream. And wow. he came on to do it. And I didn't like, we didn't, we didn't have time to like introduce ourselves to each other, but we became like fans of each other. Cause Rob would pop in randomly. Everybody knew him, you know, like intimately, basically like all the older comics that I'm friends with knew him. And then, um, but he messaged me privately and he was like, you're fucking hysterical. Like, you know, you're, I'm, I'm your friend now. And I was like, wow. fine by me. Uh, yeah. So we talk a lot and, and he's, he's come on the show, like probably more than any other guest. And he's always there for a charity thing. I love him. He's the best. Wow. Uh, have you ever uh, gotten a chance to talk to him about the, the I miss years and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Cause to me, 
I know Imus got uh you know had his um shit going on with the nappy headed stuff and all yeah. that. I don't think and it's hard to know what what's in somebody's heart, but following the guy, to me, he was always um super influential. I cause it came up recently with my own therapy here that people have been you know, uh Comparing me to uh, call me a stern wannabe for forty years now. What I really wanted was the, the thing that Imus created. Not I didn't want to be Don Imus, but I wanted what he created for NBC Radio. And uh, part of that was finding a really super talented guy like uh, Rob Bartlett to be the comedy engine of that show. And so I'm in awe of that man's talent. Yeah. I always have been from, from the days of the black Beatles to all the musical stuff he did for I missed yeah. everything he did, man. He, and that's how I got to know him. I, I saw him in clubs years later, but uh, you know, I became a fan of his. So, uh, you know, he's like, um, he's one of my, you know, comedy heroes. I guess. Yeah. yeah. No, dude, I hear you, man. We should all be. So yeah, please come on with Rob. Have you ever met him? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Well then absolutely, man. I'll, I'll yeah. make sure you're on with, uh, with Bob. <laughs> That's great. Um, there's a, you know, I mean, it's so funny that they say that you've been, everybody's a knockoff, not a knockoff, but like people compare other people to like, Oh, you're trying to do this. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> am i trying to be as successful as an idol of mine? Absolutely. Like let's, yeah. you know, like it's such a ridiculous statement that people throw at you. And it's funny. It's always from people who are not doing a, a goddamn thing. Like, right. <laughs> they, like they're not doing anything with their lives. I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, man. I, uh, it's, it's a crazy time. Could you imagine though, like back then, like how tame the nappy headed hoe thing was like a, a <laughs> shitty thing to say, but like, you were just talking about Scott Adams and what a piece of shit he turned oh, out my to be God. like, and, and just, I mean, I first of all, that dude blocked me on Twitter like years ago, like during the Trump administration, because I just kept so he was, you know, he was doing his whole like playing supposedly. He thinks he's so smart is the problem. I know. And he also thinks, <clears throat> I mean, you know, he ascribes to um God, I can't think of what it's called. Um, but you know, basically like you 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 pursue uh the art of persuasion uh, to a certain oh, yeah. extent, but he really thinks he can convince anybody of anything. Except he can't convince the world he's not a fucking racist, which is hilarious. Um, but uh, you know, he's he thinks he can do that kind of shit. Um, and uh, so he was tweeting during the Trump era, like what a genius Trump is, and but he's trying to play devil's advocate, like I'm not a I'm not saying I'm a fan, but blah, blah blah. And I would go through his old books, not the comic strips, but he used to write the Dilbert Future and all that shit, and like take little I was taking little screenshots and excerpts of shit he said about people like him, like behaving like how he's behaving. And he fucking blocked me. Yeah. And I was like, that's the greatest, you know, badge of honor there. But um, yeah, he's a nut job. Yeah. And he finds like one black person to agree with him. And that so somehow proves to the world that he's not the racist because you didn't listen to the content. And then, yeah, I came back to him, well, you're claiming you see all these videos of black people just randomly beating up white people. Did you ever check on the context of that? Could Maybe could it be the white guy just, you know, yelled, uh, ethnic slur, he shouldn't have yelled. Yeah. And you, see him getting, you don't check the context of that, but we're supposed to. And there's no context that justifies Black people are beating up white people all over the place, so you need to escape. There's no fixing this. Like, 
what that's there's no context in the world that makes that not a racist statement. right right exactly and and the craziest thing to me is like the inability to go like well what is you know how many i guarantee you whatever videos he thinks he's watching there's five hundred thousand times more of the example of police beating the shit out of black people you know what i mean or like or how it beats uh, you know and, and here's the thing that because that statement i said well i don't see these videos of black people beating up white people randomly no, i, don't I see a lot of you know cops beating up black kids a lot and all that stuff and and you never get the full context on that too and i, I agree all of these things should be you need to know more about it before you go comment on it. But I did grow up in a, in a fairly uh, integrated, forty uh, percent black in my first high school, sixty percent white, and then my second high school was ninety eight percent black and two percent mm. white. I walked through black neighborhoods to get home in the middle of the night and all the time. Never once got beat up for being white in a black neighborhood. Yeah. But I know plenty of black dudes that got beat up for being black in a white neighborhood. And Howard Beach, New York, was known for no black people allowed in this white neighborhood. So it, that, there's a, and I'm not saying that white people are not okay. I'm just saying you got to look at the full context of, of where you're going because if, if the algorithm knows you're, you're you're getting angry at white people getting uh, beat up by a black kid on on a right. on a video, they're just going to keep showing you more of those videos. But at some point, you have to say, why are they showing this to me? Because they they figured out what you are. <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah, exactly. And the other thing is too is like you know, I mean, I've been I've traveled all over the place and stuff. I've never in my life like been in like a black area and felt like oh man i'm fucked because of right. whatever i have however walked into a you know been in the south and walked into a, a convenience store or been on the road or whatever and done that and seen some like methed out looking white piece of shit and been like okay yeah this is how i'm gonna get stat or what you know what i mean like that yeah, yeah. Is, oh, like and and way way more than I've ever been in New York or been in a black neighborhood or anything like that. So I don't, I don't understand like what any, and also, you know, the funny thing is too, is when he's like, I see these videos, you know, he's on very, very specific Facebook groups that are like, you know, white light. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's asking to. for, show me the black kids beating up white people so I can get angry videos. Totally. Totally. That's, and, that, and I've <laughs> That's seen the name those, of the group. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've seen those like, you know, I mean, I have relatives. I've seen those email chains that they're all in, you know, like the whatever, where they're like, oh, you know, they say that, you know, white people are blah, blah, blah. But have you seen this video? And you're like, where's that from? And yeah, what, yeah. what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's insane, dude. He's, He's, he's something happened to him years ago and I don't know if his wife left or whatever the deal was, but as soon as like, I think he was, I think he was seeing somebody and he got like, well, I don't know. I don't know what it was, dude, but she fucked him up and uh, not, not to, I mean, I mean, I think he was like already a little like that. Yeah. And then immediately it started with like, cause there was a period of time where Scott Adams would be interviewed doing something or he'd write something and it was like clearly incel women bashing shit. So it went from that to Trump's not that bad to, you know, whatever it is that he's just a lunatic. I'm glad he like, you know, I'm glad he lost his shit. Uh, but I I, I'm curious because he's a cartoonist in a newspaper 
Do you have a, a newspaper subscription? No. <laughs> Do you know anybody who does? No. I, not I, had, I can't remember the last time I bought a newspaper. I certainly can't remember the last time I had a subscription for a newspaper. This guy is just drawing silly, really bad drawn cartoons for a product that nobody is buying anymore. Yeah. And somehow he's wealthy. That oh, me. well, I mean, yeah, he's wealthy because when I was a kid and I mean, when yeah, when I was in like intermediate to high school, comic strips were still a thing. Like we still got like morning. We still got morning newspapers back then. And that wasn't that long ago. That was like 2000 and whatever. So like, you know, you could still back then. I think you could still make a decent amount if you were syndicated in newspapers. I mean, and, you know, the yeah, comics, I, I they put them online. That. But I can't see it lessen you your whole lifetime till uh, till because uh, every he's even is one of the most popular. Yeah, like like so it's like you know I mean Garfield is basically you know what Jim Davis I think and Charles Schultz are two of the richest. Like that's yeah. cartoonist money that like nobody can touch, and it's one of those things. The same thing with comedians where like everybody you know if they think you've got a blue check mark or 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 you're with somebody and somebody that you're famous or rich right. And like I've talked to cartoonists before too, because I, I used to want to be a, like a serious cartoonist when I was younger. Um, and uh, basically, they all think the same thing. Like I was talking to I had Steve Green on Dystopia tonight, who is a, a he's a great political cartoonist who lives in San Francisco now, but he actually started out he lived in New Jersey, um, and he was uh, working for the Asbury Park Press for a long time, and uh, he had a comic strip called Grand Avenue, and that was kind of syndicated. But it's one of those things where, like, you know, he said the same thing. He thinks everybody thinks they've got Charles Schultz money. And he's like, that would be that's insane. Like, no one's as famous as that. And but that's their model. Or right. like even Bill Watterson and Gary Larson, who were like the left in 1995, you know, they make they still make money with books and stuff like that because they were really popular. But Dilbert was like revolutionary at the time. It was an office comic strip. And it was it went like. Like it's went back when the day when people used to cut shit out and hang stuff on their cubicle walls. It was right. their, it was their comfort zone. So he made, I mean, he and, he, and he admitted back in the day he couldn't draw. And he was like, I really loved cartooning a cartoonist, but I can't draw. But I found that that was like still an, like if you, if he wrote well and drew okay, it'd be, it'd be great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so listen to the kids today. Don't, don't do anything uh, important in school. Yeah. Um, it's just uh doodle that's what i did <laughs> now here here's the thing and i didn't want to make this the whole sc but i am a little bit uh on fire because i watched two hours of him with uh hotep jesus i didn't see that i can't believe you uh, i did because he insisted that we i was misunderstanding him and i wanted to give him a chance let me hear what i'm misunderstanding yeah, yeah. They're blaming everything, racial uh, division in this country, on the teachers' unions. And I'm like, well, first of all, if the teachers' union is that powerful, how come teachers fucking are starving? Yeah. Uh, they come back with, this is the answer I got from Hotep Jesus. The fact that our students are doing so well means, our are doing so poorly means our teachers are overpaid. Oh God, no! Absolutely not. That right. is the most. That is the most ass backwards fucking statement I've ever heard about. These teachers. are the people of parental 
responsibility and all this stuff. Where are the parents for making uh, responsibility for making their students prepared and wanting to go to school to learn? It's not on the team. You try to teach 30 kids who are not interested, who have poor, uh, you know, skills and, and poor attitudes. 30 of them at once, you know, the whole thing about blaming teachers. I was like, you got to be kidding me. These are people who <laughs> are, you know, they stand on lines to pick it for a dollar an hour raise over 30 years and they don't get it. And yeah. you, you're blaming them for society's problems. It's mind boggling. It's, it's like, always people who don't have like Scott Adams doesn't have any fucking kids, though. I don't know about, you know, whatever the hell the other guy's name is. Hotep something. Hotep something. Jesus. Hotep Jesus. Uh, you know, what's crazy. It's so early. I thought I made up the Jesus part in my head. And I was like, Where did that come from? <laughs> this can't possibly be somebody's name. Uh, <laughs> Me too. When, when I saw him. I like, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Um, but yeah, so like, that's the thing, but it's, it's that same, I don't know if you've seen the rumor going around because, you know, everybody's got, uh, a fucking issue with trans people, but they, they were talking like, you know, there's this rumor going around and I've seen it everywhere. Every idiot parent, you know, every people who's like against that kind of woke shit or whatever, but they're like, oh, you know, uh, with all the trans stuff they're teaching in schools now, you know, did you hear that one school in, and they literally have named different schools for this one thing. They're like, uh, has a has a kid who's claiming to be a cat in kindergarten, and now they have to put a litter box in the classroom. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, just could you could you play back what you just fucking said out loud? And and like, like, do you honestly think that's real? But people do, and I have to be like, no, it's actually been proven to be a hoax. And they're like, oh, I wasn't sure. And I'm like, so you shared it anyway, you fucking idiot. Yeah. So it's that level of stupidity. It's like they don't have kids in school, and they think that everybody's poor. You know. I mean, even Bill Maher, to a certain extent, is a is a bit of a, a nut job. Like, you know, COVID broke Bill Maher the same way, you know, 9-11 broke Dennis Miller to a certain extent. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I listen to Maher talk. And it's funny, too, if you if you watch his. um, That's a fucking great observation, though. The uh, COVID you. broke Maher the way 9-11. <laughs> yeah. Dennis Miller, he totally changed him. Totally. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to be hip and smart and with it and, and all that. And I'm not saying he's not smart, but like he used to be the guy, you know, and, and then, you know, something happened in the world and he kind of snapped. Um, I've, I've you know, begrudgingly try to make it through Mars podcast because I was a fan of, of Bill Maher for a long time. And I still feel like he's necessary to a certain extent. Um, and he and he's, a, you know, he's a good comic and all that. But like I've seen some of the guests that he's had on. And when Mars starts to get on his like anti-vax, you know anti-mask shit you can tell they're just like oh god shut the fuck up like yeah. even richard dawkins was on and he was trying to explain to bill what the what the vaccines are doing and what they've actually said and you and bill just interrupts his guests and he's just you know he thinks he's so wise and i could just tell richard dawkins is like fuck it it's not worth it <laughs> like it's a bummer I'm responsible for the worst five hours of his life, and I'm proud of it. Really? Oh, please tell me what is it? I don't even. Just know. A, a red eye back from uh, from L.A. to New York in first class, and I happened to have the first class seat right next to his, and oh. he wanted to sleep, and I wanted to talk to him about shit he said on his show, and I would not let him sleep, and I just and he he asked the stewardess if he could if she she could change. Well, I guess they don't call him stewardess, flight attendant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If she he could change his seat, and she said, "No, there's nothing else available." <laughs> um, just, ma- wait, what year was this? Nineteen ninety seven, ninety six, something like that. Amazing, 
<laughs> well, I kept him up for five hours torturing him with arguments that he did not want to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Oh, that's so great. That makes me happy. <laughs> uh, and he, when he got off, he did. He, he told me, go fuck yourself. As he, wow. uh, we got off the plane, he said, go fuck yourself. And he was going walking as quickly as he could to baggage claim. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That is that yeah. is great. I'm going to be scouring the Internet for. um talk show appearances by him from 96 97 and see if he says anything <laughs> some, yeah. some mustachioed man on a plane yeah so um with the ms thing that you got going on now rock royalty is i i love your posters by the way I, who, oh thank you do you hire some, or you do your posters i don't hire anybody sometimes i do them so, uh, right now um jess um Aggie is um uh currently who i'm working with she's um doing a bunch of work on dystopia tonight, but she's also my new manager. And I, I've a lot of changes happened in the last, uh, you know, month or so. Um, so I'm working exclusively with her green olive creative and, um, she's put together the graphics and stuff for this show. So I'm like really happy. These musical people that you're having on, we've talked about your varied music tastes. Yes. Uh, before, but man, this this list of who's who's that you have of rock royalty that's going to be on the show really shows uh, like a seventy year span <laughs> of of really you know everybody from Peter Asher because Peter Asher's name pops out on I me, mean, yeah. Graham Parker, uh, these people to you know uh, Ty Bachman and and you know all all these very cool people. Uh, Stephen Page is the one that I am most because there's a lot of great names on here, but the Thanks. one I am mostly cu uh, curious about when you talk to him, I know you've had him on dystopia tonight. Yeah. Did he, was he uh, fine with talking about bare naked ladies or he just wants to talk about his new solo career? No, he was cool with talking about bare naked ladies and his, and his, I, he's, he's very proud of the work he's done with bare naked ladies and stuff. And he talked about, um you know the canadian hall of fame and regrouping with those guys but he was very also very candid and honest about like you know he did not feel any particular love loss that like he's like i'm i'm open to do whatever it was a blast seeing everybody again you know um during the rock and roll hall of fame thing but he said from his side of it he felt like there was no immediate love loss and i feel like it's there's probably still some tension there between ed maybe and and him and whatever that sucks he's, it does suck. He seems to be in a very good place, though. Like, he's a he's great, and, you know, I got to go see him open for The Who um, after he did Dystopia Tonight, so that was phenomenal, and he's crushing it. Like, he's... he's um, And he's totally also very open and honest about, like, you know, maybe his attitude in the past and, you know, um, any kind of ego stuff that he had had, he seemed to let go of. Um, ego. Yeah, I mean, I don't you know, think he because I, I wanted to relate this story to you and maybe in the hopes that you could kind of uh, have it in the back of your mind for when you're talking to him. Yeah. In 1997, not too long after I uh, made <laughs> Bill Maher's life miserable, uh, <laughs> we we were uh, I was uh, an executive for the Optimum Online brand. And we were really trying to push cable modems on people and yeah. the reason to have it. And we decided we were going to do one of the first live streaming concerts uh, sponsored by Madison Square Garden uh, with not an audience, but just the band performing and then some Q&A 
mm-hmm. online in 1997 you know bandwidth is what it is sure and the band we chose was bare naked ladies and i had never heard of them before 1997 uh you know i was in my 30s and and i just i wasn't hip to them they right. came on and they killed and they crushed it and made me a huge fan and then in the q a it was uh Stephen Page was taking most of the questions. And one of the questions was, uh, what do you achieve what do you attribute your long term success to? And right away my mind said, Long term success? I never heard of these guys before. Right. Uh and Stephen <laughs> started talking about st- strong voices. Strong mm. voices were the key to success. And I was like, and then I looked them up and they'd been around for ten years, successful for ten years. I was like, Why right. did I not know right. about this? But he was going on talking about strong voices, and I'm, I was, tr- you know, trying to decipher if he meant that they were good singers or that doing it night after night, you need to recover and be able to do the right things. But I, I've been talking to singers about that that statement because it does sound like a little bit ego. You know, what, what do you attribute your? Well, we're all, you know, really strong, powerful voices, and I was like. Wow, that does sound like ego. But now, the more I talk to singers and uh, vocal teachers, vocal coaches, uh, and, and they talk about what, you know the true meaning of what he was saying in the, that statement, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. This is how much it impacted me because I was thinking, well, you know, who, who is this guy to say that? And then I started looking at his work, and my God, power, yeah, power. yeah. and he so, sounds great. I mean, I, I think I know exactly what he meant too. Yeah, he he sounds great, and I do the same thing when I ever have a musicians on because I'm curious about how they take care of him because you know I saw the Who when you see Roger Daltrey and you and and you see him like belted out. Um, you know, and, uh, I'm like, goddamn, like how the hell does that guy, uh, still have like the same voice? He still sounds great. I know he had some trouble and went through some surgery and then he wound up getting it back. He did a lot of work to get it back, but you see guys in their, in their like seventies, eighties, same fucking voice for like ever. And then you see guys like younger than that who like they let it slip and they're not that great. Like look at Ronnie Dio, man. Like that guy like held on to his, like, you know, I mean, he, had such a powerful voice and he held on to it for, I mean, obviously he died young, you know, younger than the rest of them, but he, um, he, you know, even to the end, man, he had this, this amazing power voice, but he took care of it. And right. other, I think singers of that kind of ilk will say the same thing. Like I did, I was just out there belting it out. Didn't, didn't take the proper care and, you know, didn't, didn't have the vocal range anymore. Right. So hearing Stephen Page said, now it's been, that was 1997. It's been 26 years. I, there isn't a conversation I have with a singer that I, I'm just meeting for the first time where I don't ask, do you warm up? Do you do, you know, vocal? Because so many people in rock and roll especially don't. They just go out and belt out, and they don't think about taking care of their voice. They don't do the proper warm-ups and all those kind of stuff. And I, I that question still comes back to every conversation I have with a polished singer. Like, do you take care of your voice? Most yeah. of them don't. Yeah, I'll ask him. I'll absolutely ask him. You know, if if it still holds true today and stuff. Yeah, he he's uh. So that hour in particular, by the way, is I'm I'm like fucking like I'm I'm happy. Everybody's come. All the guests that I have coming on, I'm excited for. But there's like, there's a couple hits toward like the end, which is crazy. That the end of the stream, like I'm gonna be so fucking tired. I hope I recognize that they're on. Like, but I'm like, you know, the end of that stream, the last few hours. So like for the rock royalty hour, that's one p.m um the second of march and the eastern standard time so 1 p.m eastern standard time we have glenn phillips from toad the wet sprocket 
uh, lead singer of Toe the Woods Project, Scott Hessel from the Gin Blossoms, Stephen Page, former lead singer of Bare Naked Ladies. Um, uh, we have Tal Bachman, um, uh, who's who's Randy Bachman's son, but also Tal Bachman had you know hits in the '90s and stuff like that as well. And uh, we have um, a fifth one who is escaping me at the moment. My God, um, who the hell else is on that hour? Um, uh, Jimmy Cassell. Uh, no, no, no. Um, another '90s. Oh my God, I'm totally blanking. This is uh, horrible. Ta- Glenn Phillips, Scott Hessel, Stephen Page. Tal Bachman and um here we go. Um god damn. Um fucking here we go. Um oh Ken Block from Sister oh, Hazel. Wow. Yeah. And they all know the, the thing about that too is I've had them all on the show, but they all know each other. So it's just gonna be a blast. And I don't know when the last time anybody saw anybody was. And uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And then we have another hour with voiceover actors. We got Charles Fleischer, voice of Roger Rabbit, Billy West from Futurama, Space Jam, um, Megan Cavanaugh, and Mark DiCarlo, both from Jimmy Neutron. Megan Cavanaugh is also from League of Their Own. And they're just gonna, they're all, they all know each other. They're gonna have a fucking blast. Um, wow. Yeah. Damn. It's good, a good, good. Yeah, good mix. And we also uh, have videos from Lewis Black and Rita Rudner and Robert Klein because they couldn't, they're on tour, so they couldn't make it. But they sent in videos to to help you know plug the thing and promote it. I you know I want I wanted to reach out to Robert Klein last week because it was his birthday and uh, he, I've been trying to get him on the show. He's been he said told me he wasn't feeling well and I I was like you know it might seem like I'm I'm still trying to get I'm still bugging him to be on the show, but I did want to just reach out and say I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, uh, uh, you know because he uh, he means a lot to me for for some reason. He's part of my history of comedy, and and the guy, you know, you know, I don't have to tell you, he's done it all: Broadway, uh, television, movies, stand up, all of it. Uh, so he's just like legendary to me, and uh, you know, I just don't want to lose him, <laughs> dude. A- I mean, I I spoke to him last weekend. I was in Virginia, and he called me when I was in the hotel, and I spoke to him because we've been, we've been missing each other's phone calls, and. He just had a, a grandbaby. Wow. 81 years old, his first grandbaby. Wow. Wow. So he's, I had I, my I, first grandchild at 39. Oh, wow. I'm almost your age. Like a year older. Can you imagine having grandchildren? <laughs> you said that, and I tried not to look like I just like relieved my... I was like, oh, cool. That seems great. It yeah, was no, weird for me because I, I was uh, th- I was working at Cablevision at the time for for, op- for the Optimum brand and the people that work with me like, you're a grandfather? You yeah. mean father? No, I mean grandfather. Did you like being called grandpa back then? Like, did it feel weird? Call me opa. Oh, okay. That Okay, that's a little, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it definitely felt weird. It was like, I'm not, nobody's supposed to be at this point in their life. Right, right. At, in their 30s. I, f- I still felt like I was a kid. And coming back to what you were saying before, adulting, oh, I've been hosting this, uh, this food show. Not that because I'm the worst food guy, but I've been saying on the food show, I eat like a child. I'm not a grown-up. I'm never going to be a grown-up. I'm the wrong person for this. And the guy, the head of the studio, keeps saying, "No, we love you. You're you're perfect for this." It's like, <laughs> I, I, because I can eat, I don't I don't know grown up food. I don't know I don't even know which is the right fork to eat with. I don't oh, know about salad forks. Me neither. 
Yeah, <laughs> totally, un- totally uncultured, man. I yeah, I don't do any of that shit either. Growing up is not a, a good thing for me. It's not yeah. an easy thing. Anyway, if there's anything we can do other than, and uh, we will be donating, but uh, I'm going to put in the um, the link here to where people can donate. Oh, yeah, uh, please. It, Thank it, you. It's in the uh, description. I went and put it in the banner. It's uh, mssocietydonordrive.com. Yes. That's where you're going to go. And you'll you'll find John's uh, video there. Where yeah. Doing- or you can just go to, I think the I think the short link of that is bit.ly slash dystopia all night. Right. Or, or go to John's Facebook page and you'll see it there. There's a link to it right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We got a yeah, we got a great, great, just a great assortment of guests and people donating their time and stuff and comedians people have never heard of and comedians people have heard of and um you know people are and you know how those things are, man. People are gonna be popping on. Your buddy Paul Provenza is gonna be popping on. Bobby Slayton's gonna be popping on. Um, well, Paul Paul is gonna be one of those people. Um, uh, and you probably know this already. He's gonna have like bandwidth issues. He's gonna be yep. freezing up and. <laughs> I know, and then he's gonna be cursing about Streamyard. I fucking hate Streamyard and blah right. blah blah. But yeah, he's already but shared the thing. He does Zoom fine. And <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just a wit. Um, so yeah, and I, I, you know, we fully support that, and we'll be checking it out. My buddy Carl's uh, here from UK today, and oh so, nice. Uh, I'll be watching it with him getting drunk and excellent, man, excellent. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I don't get drunk, but you know, when I when I hang out with my friends who are alcoholics, I have to at least. Oh, of course. Yeah, make, you got to get it. Eff- make yeah. an effort. Like a and please, I'll send you the link and stuff, man. Let me know what time you want to like pop in and, and shoot the shit. And I'll have you come on with Rob Bartlett as well. Oh, that was uh, very cool. I would appreciate that. Thank Absolutely, you. Absolutely, man. No problem. Thanks for getting up early. Yeah, thanks and, for having me on, man. I appreciate yeah. it. All right. See you later. Bye. See you later. Bye. John Pavaramo. It's uh, Wednesday, 9 p.m. to Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Time zone challenge people. Uh if you're on the West Coast, three hours early, 6, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. That's all I can say. And then figure it out in between. Uh, that's the show for today. I do have a lot to do. I got to get um, uh, to the studio. We are making some adjustments here today. We are hiring some new people, getting some new video editors, filmmakers in, uh, script writers, and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a busy day over at the studio. And then I don't have a show tonight which is a good thing. Uh, Carl will be in town tonight. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm going to be running into Manhattan this late this afternoon to hang out with Carl or if I'm going to wait till tomorrow. Uh, Got to figure that out. But I do appreciate everybody stopping by today. Uh, we have a busy week. Ja- Jackie will be with me on Friday. Jackie Martinley. His show is on Saturday at the Suffolk Theater. Uh, you should check that out. Uh, otherwise, um, Thanks for coming. Have a great rest of your day. Don't forget to turn on your radio and bye for now.
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen